Welcome into episode 10 of the Fourth and Winges podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rob. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. A bit early <laughs> to be doing this, isn't it? It's very early. I have my cup of coffee in hand. Um, for those of you listening, it's uh, currently, what, nine o'clock-ish? Mm. Saturday morning. So we're a little bit later on in the week than we were hoping to do this, but such is life. Things get in the way sometimes, like your drunken friends. Um, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, so, um, yeah, week one is in the books. Um, I, for one, would say it's a bit of a, it was a bit of a wild week one, even for week ones. It was crazy, wasn't it? Um, so many narratives kind of turned upside down, so much hope and optimism, certainly on my side, <laughs> could be extinguished. Um, some crazy games, some blowouts, some close games. The NFL's back. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? The NFL is back. And it just goes to show that no matter how much you try and predict these things and how much you, you think you know about stuff, you just really don't when it comes to the NFL. And it's why it's, it's why it's one of the reasons why I love it so much. You just generally don't know any given Sunday, as they say. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, we're going to... Um, obviously, this is the first episode we've done in season. So, we it's going to look ever so slightly different. Um, we're going to try and keep somewhat of a format now going forward, though, hopefully, unless there's any anything that any listeners want us to kind of touch on. But if not, we're going to do um, news and injuries like we would normally do. Then we're going to review... In brief, week one games, anything that kind of stood out from those games, any takes we have, where did we get things wrong in our predictions, that kind of thing. Then we're going to look ahead at week two and uh, predict those games, talk about the things that we're looking forward to in week two. Um, then we've got a, a new segment, which will be in season, which we'll get to when I get there, um, particular for one of our listeners out there. Um, we'll get there in a minute. I won't spoil the surprise. Um we then, I've got my Mr. Relevant for the week, the college standout from week two games in college. And then we have, um, of course, the final, the winch of the week. So that's kind of what it's going to be like. So in terms of news and injuries, do you want to kick us off? Is there any, any anyone that's kind of top of your list there? There were quite a few. Um, yeah, unfortunately, there was quite a few. Again, I think um, there were some big ones. Um where to go. Um, so I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was incredibly unlucky. I was looking forward to watching him um, pilot that offence this year. Um, I think he's just a, he's a great guy around the league. Obviously been around, I think, 10 different clubs. Um, had that very unfortunate hip injury, just like a standard sack to me. I couldn't see yeah. any way he got injured, but um, he's, out, he's on IR now. He's out potentially eight weeks. Um, so they've turned the offence over to uh, Taylor Heineke, who um, one of the benefits of recording Saturday morning is that we've seen the Thursday night game and um, he looks okay. He looked pretty good. He had um, that, that sort of interception towards the end, but um, the Giants well, didn't punish him. I must admit, I've not seen it yet. I've seen the result, but I've not I've not watched the game yet, um, the the Giants um, football team game. But but by all accounts, yeah, I mean, I, I can see a situation with with, with Fitzpatrick now where he, he doesn't get back in. I can see yeah, it's time with Taylor from last year all over again for me, I think. This was his big chance, and like you say, feel really bad for him. I think it's it's probably partly down to age. I think, you know, he's one of the older quarterbacks, isn't he? And journeyman, and he's like you said, it just seemed a bit of an innocuous yeah. tackle. Really, he didn't seem anything too too bad with it, really. And and then yeah, down for half the season now. So and that's that's at best from what I hear. If he needs an op, then 
it's season ending. If he doesn't need an op, like you say, it's probably about eight weeks. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to try to rehab it without surgery. But as you yeah. say, if that works or not, we, we don't know, do we? Um, but yeah, no. just um, on the Thursday night game, I thought, well, Daniel Jones looked very good as well. To be fair, it's probably one of his best games as a giant. But Heineke, certainly when you've still got Terry McLaurin to throw to, and you've still got Antonio Gibson as your running back, Logan Thomas at tight end, you've, you know, it's, it's a much different offense uh, yeah. previously. So um, I think there's certainly with a chance. Um, I don't think it's completely sunk their season, and especially playing in that division. See what the Cowboys are like. The Cowboys did look very good against the Bucks, but I think um, yeah. I don't necessarily think their season sunk. Um, there seem to be again just so many injuries that um, mm. some some of which I don't know the exact details of. There's been a lot of people moved to IR, but I think the in this day and age it's different to how it used to be if you it used to be if you went on the ir that was your season gone but you can come back now after three games can't you if if it's not a season ending one so you have the likes of michael gallup michael gallup jerry judy um raheem Mostert. i think he he, he is gone for the year yeah um makai beckton makai uh, beckton's a big one for the jets i mean that offensive yeah. line didn't look good um, on Sunday night, anyway, and he's wow. a huge loss. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely is. I think he, he, you know, he's got the potential to be a stud at left tackle. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't quite got there yet, but I think he's got all the potential in the world. And yeah. like you say, yeah, um, my man Zach Wilson was running for his life throughout that game. Um, he really was, yeah. Even with, even when with Beckton in the game, so yeah, um, Jeffrey Akuda again. Um, the cornerback from Detroit. Yeah, he was there. Another, what, third overall pick, wasn't he last year? Yeah. Well, the council had quite a good camp. Big loss. Yeah, and the one, and the, the one that the one that got me the most, uh, just the poor guy, um, Jason Verrett, San Francisco cornerback. He he's been in the league for like seven years now, and five of those five of those seven years, he's had like season-ending injuries. Um, he just can't catch a break. Um, no. Somebody that I loved in college at the time when he came out, I thought he was a really undersized corner, but you know, really, really talented, feisty corner, and he yeah. just hasn't hasn't been able to do it in the league because he just can't stay injury free. Um, you know, so it was that was really sad to see him go down. Um, so yeah, there just seems to be injuries every week. I mean, I'm hoping that you know we, we've got the majority of it out of the way now, and people can stay fit and. You know we can we can uh, see 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 how good everybody is with their full squads now because yeah absolutely I mean it, it just it reminds you that these players are people it's very easy to kind of look at it through a fantasy lens but when you talk yeah. about people like Jason Verrett um, you know any number of players on the Ryan Fitzpatrick even these are you know people with jobs and it's their livelihood and it's their passion and it's just absolutely. Really I think the other injuries to call out, um, Gerald McCoy, very similar as well. He had a season-ending injury last year. I, think I kind of fell in love with him on hard knocks uh, when he was playing at the Bucks. So again, just another big man that's um, that's gone down, unfortunately. Somebody wants to join the podcast. <laughs> at least we've got one listener. <laughs> For those that aren't watching on YouTube, uh, Mark is now cradling a beautiful yeah one, one, one of my cats has decided he wants to get in on the action so there we go that's what the bell is it's not reindeer um <laughs> is this the new feature <laughs> this is the new feature i was going to uh keep under tabs for you yeah um no so there seem to be there seem to be so many so many injuries and like i said hopefully um 
hopefully that'll be the majority of them out of the way now and we can and we could just um have a clean bill of health from here please yeah fingers um, crossed so so week one um we didn't do very well predicting did we um well, you did better than i did <laughs> i did slightly better i got eight out of the 16 games right you got six out of the out of the 16 um I mean, I don't even know where to start. I suppose we should start with game one, the, the Thursday night game, the opening game of the season, Cowboys Bucks. I think we all we both predicted Tampa Bay, as did most people. I think most same people. Um, but the Cowboys certainly gave them a run for the money, and I thought um, I thought Dak played well. I think again, now he's back. I think they're going to be fine. I think yeah. they'll be contending for that division for, for, for sure. I think it's gonna. They'll go as far as their defense goes. Probably they, you know, they've got enough offensively to 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 compete with most teams. For me, and I think, um, yeah, it's going to be as they're going to go as far as the defense will take them. I think just I hate to do it, but to go back to the injury front, um, Demarcus Lawrence was ruled out this week as well. It's yeah. obviously a big loss at, um, from the edge for them. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's great seeing Dak Prescott back. He's um, that offense just looks so much better. Um, rather than the Andy Dalton one or the Ben DiNucci one or the Garrett Gilbert one that we saw kind of rolled out of various times last year. Um, yeah. Zeke still doesn't look quite like himself. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to run against that Tampa Bay front, but um, hopefully he comes good sort of later on in the season. And yeah, hopefully the NFC East isn't just a complete sewer this year as well, but it was a great way to start off the season. Yeah, and like I said, I, I agree. I like you said, and I agree with the whole Zeke thing. I think you know he's clearly a top running back, but I think this is why you just don't pay running backs. This is, you know, yeah. they've got this huge contract with Zeke, and is he really giving you anything that Tony Pollard doesn't give you? No, is he giving you any more, any more than, you know, any of the rookie? Well, some of the rookie running backs that we're seeing so far, yeah. he just he's not and. You know he's a great. I think he's a great guy, or he certainly came, came across like, like that in, in hard knocks. Want him to do well, but you just you shouldn't be paying running backs massive contracts because um, they're just not worth it going into their second contract. They're really not, um, unless you can get them on the cheap. You, you shouldn't be doing it. Don't no. see the value there. Um, so yeah, do you want to do you want to touch on briefly on the on the Jags? Um, no. Nope. <laughs> one I would like to ask you a question about the Jags. So okay, I've kind of gone backwards and forwards on it. I'm not. I'm not really too sure what to make of it. So am I? Oh God, we're going to be terrible again. That was absolutely awful. What the hell's going on? Or is it just the fact that it's the first game? You know, Lawrence made some made some incredible throws. Made some very stupid throws, but he made some great throws. So. How worried should I be? Well, for me, my, my take on the game, it, well, my take on Lawrence was, yeah, exactly that. He was very patchy. His good throws looked great, and you can see he has all the talent in the world. You can see why he's been a number one prospect coming out of high school, and we said this through the draft. You know, you, you, you can see why he's gone number one overall. However, his bad throws and his bad moments were, were like really bad and and they're not starting quarterback traits, some of the some of the throws and some of the errors that he kind of made. So, you know, he had two, he was just like I said, very patchy, two big time throws according to PFF versus three turnover where where they plays or plays all three of those with those interceptions that he threw. He but again, it's not all down, it's not all down to Lawrence either. So my take on the Jags is that I'm still extremely concerned about the head coach and what he's 
trying to do with that team. And Lawrence will be fine. I mean, you've got to remember, long-term Lawrence will be fine. If you remember Peyton Manning's first season in the league, he, he threw something like 30-odd interceptions. He, you know, he, he will be fine, Will Lawrence, and the Jags might not win that many games this year. But it's about next year and the years beyond. And my worry for you is, where are you going from a coaching point of view? Apparently, some of the staff that he's hired has already gone already. He seems to be falling out with his staff. And apparently, yeah, the way he's treating players is like college. And it's like they're not kids. They're grown men. And you have to do it differently. And I think if he doesn't, if he didn't change his ways, that locker room is not going to stay with him for very long, in my opinion. That's that's what I think. Um I think that's I think a big concern for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Lawrence will be absolutely fine, but Urban Meyer scares me. I mean, there's already rumours that he's talking about quitting, which I think probably might be the best thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, there's I think... Very odd stories coming out of it. When he first joined and he hired his, um, forget his name, but strength coach from Iowa that had all those um, yeah. charges against him, he was forced to sort of stand down very, very early doors, almost straight away. And then, if yeah. you know, you're not putting Lawrence in the best position to succeed. You're not putting the right people around him. Um, one of my whinges of the week was going to, I was going to intersperse it throughout and I, I have many, but uh, one of them was he just seems to hate James Robinson as well. Why aren't you using him? Why are we doing everything in our power to, why are we giving the ball to Carlos Hyde? Why aren't we sort of treating Robinson yeah. as a bell cow we saw last year? How many yeah. yards he could give us? Um, yeah, that's my worry. But equally, one of my pet hates is overreacting to week one. So I'm, I'm trying to stay fairly Well, that's it. Week, week one tends to always be a bit weird and throw out some weird stuff. And and, and in theory, you know, who 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 you got this week? Um, I'm just looking. Um, who are you playing this week? Who? Um, uh, Denver. Denver. Right. So, I, again, probably a good... Probably a good team to be playing, to be honest. Well, I said defensively they're very good, but I don't know. You'd want to we'll see. see. Yeah, you, you. If it wasn't the Texans, I don't think I'd have been bothered, to be fair. If that was almost any other team in the league, I'd have been fine with that. But the fact that it was the Texans, uh, that did worry me a bit. But let's not make this a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. No, anyway. no, no, no. Um, I would say be worried, but don't be too worried, maybe. Maybe we'll leave it there. <laughs> right, great, thanks. <laughs> um, so Se Seahawks Colts was one of the games that we had differently. I that's one of the ones where I picked up a point on you because I I did have Seattle. Um, for me, it was all about just not trusting Wentz and not trusting you know his ability to not turn the ball over. Um, but I think Seattle played probably better than I was expecting them to out of the gate. Um, don't know why because. Um, they're very good. Yeah. Russell, they're a, they are a good team, and also, you know, Russell Wilson tends to play good early. Early doors. He certainly did last year. He was MVP through six, seven games last year for me. And um, you know, Lockett making ridiculous catches. You know, oh, they Chris Carson, Chris Carson on one of the the PFF stats that um, I don't. I'm not going to say I fully understand it, but it's called elusive rating. Um, and Chris Carson has nearly treble the elusive rating of anybody else in the league from from week wow. one um you know he's he seemed to have a, a very very good game um and i think if they can if they can get the running game back i think they'll do really well because that's what what uh, pete carroll likes to do isn't it he's that whole adage of run run pass that's kind of how he he plays the game not how i would advise it but it seems to work when it works in seattle so yeah um so yeah 
Uh, Carson Wentz didn't look disastrous. He looked, yeah, looked okay. better, mm. if not if not great. Um, but uh, yeah, but um, for me, uh, I don't know about you, but for, for me, the, the the kind of the standout shock for me was Philadelphia Atlanta. I, I, for for the Eagles to kind of blow out Atlanta like they did. Not that I ever thought Atlanta were going to be that good um, by any means, but. I, you know how low I am on on Jalen Hurts and and the and the Eagles and was that just I'm going to be looking at that this week and, and I want to know if they're for real and if they are how how have I got that so wrong um, because um, he looked fairly good. <laughs> um, yeah, well he did. I mean, we both had Philadelphia very low in our power rankings last week. You had them thirty first. I had them thirtieth. Um, I did only have the Falcons twenty eighth. I think the thing that kills the Falcons is just that defense. It's just, they've just got absolutely nothing. There's nothing there whatsoever. So if Hertz can do it again um, this weekend, and I still want to see more from him. We had on our WhatsApp group, we were saying that there's, I still think Minshew will start this season. I'm doubling down on that. I'm with you on with you on Hertz as a quarterback, but fair play, he had a fantastic game. Um, I thought Nick Sirianni, I've slagged him off quite a bit, but he was quite aggressive. There was, um, it was like a fourth down that they went for, and he was just, punishing them and really pushing that ball downfield. So, um, yeah, week one I was wrong, but I'm, I'm still confident that over the course of the season, they'll be terrible. Well, well, that's it, isn't it? It's To me, again, it's all down to how, whether Jalen Hurts can keep up that performance. And from what I've seen th with him throughout college, I, I don't believe he will be able to. But if he plays three quarters of that, they'll have a chance in most games. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how they carry on. Um, couple of takes that, that I made through preseason and you kind of seem to be proved right at least a little bit here in terms of preseason doesn't matter was your big take from preseason. Yeah. Um, so I, I, what week one taught me was that Jamar Chase is in fact not broken and he's perfectly fine and he does have hands and um, he'll be fine. Um, PFF grade of 77.9 in week one compared to his 29.5 throughout preseason. Um, and also Penesul, I thought, Switching to he had to switch to left tackle. Um, he yeah. played right tackle throughout throughout preseason, which he'd never done in college. Lo and behold, he he, he shifted back to left tackle in week one, and he he was he was very much better. Seventy five point six rating versus thirty eight point six in preseason. So, you know, two two rookies that I was keen to watch, see how they got on compared to how bad they were in preseason. I think that whole um, I think that. The Detroit game was very interesting in its on its own as well, actually, because they were down a lot early doors and um, they didn't give up. They kept fighting, which I think is what Dan, the spirit that Dan Campbell sort of embodies and has tried to sort of get in, and that that looked to work. So Jared Goff, whilst he was, he was was in no way, shape, or form amazing, he had I think he had two or three sort of um, as, as PFF called them like turnover worthy plays, but he got away with them. But every game you see, he'll he'll make one incredible throw, a couple of incredible throws, but they they kept going and, um, you know, they came back and I think San Francisco were genuinely worried at one point that they were going to uh, gonna get back level. Yeah, and I think that, I, I'm not going to try and read too much into that in the sense that, it's, don't get me wrong, it's good that they fought back and they didn't just roll over and concede another 20 points. Absolutely, that shows good signs for the future, but I, I would say that that's more to do with, because I've been in games playing football where you've been five, six up and you, your levels do drop and, you know, so San Francisco probably let them back in a little bit, but you can't take that away from Detroit. They still have scored the points. They 
recovered the onside kick. They put them under pressure at the end, and they did. If they'd have, if they'd have had another ten minutes, Detroit were going to win that game, which mm. is which is insane, really, when you when you look at the teams, the rosters, and and just how the game started. But um, but yeah, I had them as my thirty second. You know, my worst worst team in the league. They certainly didn't show that in week one. However, it's about wins and losses, and they still lost. So um, you know, we. And again, if you look around that that squad as a whole, it's it's not particularly strong. Um, I think no, no. you made a point though in, in in the last podcast. I think that Jared Goff's probably decent enough to make them not pick number one next year. You know, he's probably too good to to lose too many games. Um, so they probably won't be finishing um, last just because of him. But um, you know, they're certainly not going to be um, winning their division, are they? No, well, I don't think anybody's going to win that division. <laughs> we can move on to the other shock of the week, which was oh, in that yeah, division, the New Orleans Saints at the home of the uh, mighty Jacksonville Jaguars. It was good that somebody won in Jacksonville this week, at least. Um, I mean, that was, a, I don't know what you made of it, but Jameis Winston, I think, was the first quarterback ever to throw for 150 yards and five touchdowns. But I think the thing that impressed me most about Winston was. He still made some throws. He didn't just check it down all the time. But what I also like to see was he looked slimmer, he looked fitter. And he, he, I think he had six rushes for about 40 yards, which whilst not huge, that's just a facet of his game that we've not kind of really seen since college. Um, so to me, he said that he's a lot fitter. He gives him a bit of a different angle. Obviously, Sean Payton's working some different wrinkles to that offense. But I thought that bodes really well. His top receiver on the day was Deontay Harris, Marcus Calloway, who was the preseason darling. Um, had one catch, I think, 14 yards. Mm. So, again, preseason doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> when he gets his receivers back, you know, if he gets Michael Thomas back or even Traquan Smith, and he can throw the ball to a few different people, I thought that that does bode well. And it, I think I, I was very much on the Jameis train, sort of all off season. Um, he had that one very good game. And I, as I said before, I don't want to overreact to one week, but. I think it does bode well for the Saints and Taysom Hill didn't see much action in that game either, uh, which I thought they might have worked in seeing the sort of two QB sets seems to be the norm now, for various mm. teams, but I don't know what went wrong for Green Bay, but I very much enjoyed watching Jameis redemption for one week at least. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. My, my take on that on that is that we we know that he's talented. We know that he yeah. can throw the ball deep. You know, he's got a really good deep ball. He 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 makes plays, you know, he's a gunslinger. And I think I said during the preseason that if Sean Payton can rein him in and keep him under control, then then he'll do fine. And that's exactly what happened in week one. The stats show that, that the fact that he threw for under 200 yards, like you say, um, fewest number of yards for, for a five-touchdown game, you know, and he, he played well. Um, and like you say, in college, he used to run all the time, but he hasn't really done that in the NFL. Um and yeah, I think, like you say, I think it does bode well. It's one week. Can he continue to take what's there, you know, on a on a steady basis, and then go deep when he has the opportunity? And if he can do that in that offense, um, with what Sean Payton brings as a as a head coach, I think yeah, they'll do fine, and and hopefully they'll give Tampa Bay a run for their money. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, where did it go wrong for Green Bay? Do you know? I don't know. I've I've not watched the full game back. That I've only seen kind of the forty minute um, sort of highlight package. So I've not I've not really taken it all in. So I'm not quite sure. But I mean, 
I, I don't know if you can all lay it all at the hands of Rogers from from what maybe what you you saw. I don't know. I think his mind's going got to be elsewhere. If he's going at the end of the season, he he can't be all in. He just I just don't see how he can be. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it did, but it doesn't bode well for them. But again, it's one week. Um, you know, teams can have these these good teams can have that one week where they don't perform, and it's it's, it's week one and. You know um, everything that's that was going on with um, the hurricane, and like you say, and them having to the Saints having to move. Yeah, they were always going to play well, I think, and you know they were really tied up with the Saints. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it could just be that the Saints just outworked them, outplayed them, um, or is it the fact that yeah, there's other people? Because again, if, if I've said this before, that if if Rogers goes, Adams is going to go next year, and if this if you've got people playing, you know, your two best players are not really there. It's going to be a difficult season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read an interesting article in The Athletic, actually, by, I think it's Matt Schneidman, who's the beat reporter for the Green Bay Packers, and he was talking about there being um, sort of too many captains, too much experience on that team. Right. Um, Aaron Rodgers apparently was asked after the game if they were overconfident, and he, he said, yeah, he thought they were. So he was talking about whether there was a bit of arrogance there. Um, he sort of called out the point that last season they had three team captains. So they had Aaron Rodgers on offense and Zadarius Smith on defense and Mason Crosby as a special teams captain. This year, I think Matt LaFleur was bragging that he had, um, I think about 15 players. I got double digit votes for captains. So now they have three on offense, three on defense and one on special teams. Um, so they were just talking about, there was this attitude of, we've got all this experience. We're playing so well, we're just going to go in and beat them. And yeah, I think like you said, with the hurricane and everything, New Orleans just, just wanted it more. But yeah, we will like. see. Yeah. Um, well, are there any other um, sort of standout? Arizona, I guess, was the other standout. Oh, that was incredible. Yes. Um, you know, we were saying, I think, um, last week or the week before, that we, we're both quite sour on Cliff Kingsbury and that offence. Yeah. And then, boom, um, there you go. Um, well, and again, I think, I think what I would say, though, is that I, I certainly wasn't high on Tennessee and, and I thought they were going to have a down year. And, and, and again, is it just a product of the opposition that they were playing um, rather than Arizona being, you know, having taken this massive step? But I mean, when Murray looks good, he looks amazing. Oh, um, but he's, got, he's got turnovers written all over him for me. Um, you know, I don't ever think he'll be a top five quarterback because I think he's just too prone to two errors. But Again, his high, his arms amazing, and he's obviously got the running ability. You know, he's a he's a much better passer than Lamar Jackson, but he's got all the yeah. all the talent from a running point of view as uh, as Lamar Jackson. I think the only reason people don't say that more or see that is because they don't tailor the offense necessarily around him in the same way that the Ravens do. Um, but he's got all the rushing talent, and when you put that together with his massive arm, and you know, he can throw, he can make all the throws. He can look brilliant in. And I think we need to need to have a word for Chandler Jones as well. Yeah, um, he's he's been a darling of mine over the years. He's done well for me in previous um, dynasty leagues that we've played fantasy football. I had him in powerhouse as well, and he was yeah, he always did he did well for me. To Chandler Jones, he kind of seemed to be flying under the radar the last couple of years. Maybe yeah. still still performing to a degree, but not necessarily getting getting the hype and then obviously comes out and has a five sack game. And I think, you know, again, is that a product of 
are they doing things a little bit different there or is it a product of having somebody like JJ Watt you know in the team and taking up more blocks and, and is, are you going to see other people in that team because from what I saw um, Watt didn't have you know one of those standout games but if he's if he's taking on the the blocking and allowing other people to yeah. flourish and he's doing his job um, at the end of the day I mean, Chandler Jones absolutely owned um, Taylor Lewan, didn't he? He had a yeah, terrible yeah. game. And I think on um, on Instagram, Taylor Lewan came out afterwards and said thank you to Chandler Jones for exposing him, for making him aware of his weaknesses and to go back and work on them, which I thought was quite a good way of owning it and quite a good way of taking it. But um, well, He's a character, he's Taylor Lewan. He is, he is. He's a massive character. Um, so that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I mean, he, he can't have had a, a, worse, a worse game than the... Um, the guard for Atlanta, though that poor rookie, I can't remember his name, but he got a he got a PFF blocking grade of one point six. Now that's out of a hundred for those of you who don't know anything about yes, PFF yeah. grades, but that a one point six is the lowest lowest of the week, surprisingly, and it's the lowest score I've ever seen. Um, a one point six. He played left guard. I can't remember his name. No, I can't. I saw him when I was watching that game. I I, I saw three players in a row. I think where he just got put on his ass. Um, by by the defensive tackle and I just was like who is this guy um you know but um yeah um Pittsburgh beating Buffalo was certainly a surprise to me um, yeah. not from the point of view necessarily that um Pittsburgh scored 23 points but the fact that Buffalo only scored 16 and is that again a product of the defense that they're up against is it Josh Allen's regression that was inevitable because he was never going to keep playing at the way, you know, the performance levels that he did last year. Um, so again, keen to see if that is a blip for Buffalo, um, or whether they, you know, they have peaked and and missed their opportunity last year. I think they were probably just done. I think it's probably a combination of all of that. Josh Allen's definitely going to regress. I still think Josh Allen have a very good season. I think I picked him for MVP actually. Yeah, yeah. But, He's, he's definitely going to regress. He can't have as good a season as last season. I think the Bills were almost unlucky in a way to play Pittsburgh. Just the coaching staff in Pittsburgh is it's always been top notch. Mike Tomlin's always, you know, very, very clever, very astute. He's been there a lot of time. They've got a lot of continuity, and um, he obviously had a game plan for that game and they executed it. And we'll see if they can maintain it this weekend against the um, uh, the Raiders. But um, yeah. I just thought it was. One of those week one's games, you, you don't really want to be going to Pittsburgh in week one. Um, so, yeah, I think probably keep an eye on it, but let's see how things progress, really. Yeah. Um, I um, What was I going to say then? The other, well, the other, the other game that um, I think was a shock to probably everybody, other than any Las Vegas Raider fan, was the, was the, the last game, the, the, the Ravens losing to... I think the Raiders fans would still have been shocked. To be honest. Exactly. Um, I, I, in some ways, I don't quite know how they won that game. I think, well, clearly it wasn't their offense, even though they scored thirty-three points. I think their defense were was insane, and and yeah, and I'm pretty sure there were some shocks in our fantasy league as a result of um, the Raiders' defensive performance. I know Max Crosby, like. Was one of the highest scoring fantasy players on on defense, and um, you know looked really good. I was I was saying to saying to Chrissy that um, you know it doesn't matter where you get drafted, does it? It's all about how you perform. They in the same draft they take Cleveland Farrell number seven or eight or whatever it was he in that a, draft. It's um, a healthy scratch. 
in that game. Yeah, exactly. And then they then take Max Crosby in round three, round four, whatever it was, later yeah. on in the draft anyway. And he clearly has outperformed him. He outperformed him in the first season, in the first season, in his rookie season. But Cleland Farrell was still seeing time ahead of him because he was the first round pick. And now yeah. they've come around to the idea that, no, you just play your best players, mate. It doesn't matter where they get drafted. And um, lo and behold, like you say, he's a healthy scratch, like Cleland Farrell. And Max Crosby's um, kind of destroying people. So, um, yeah, I still, I still don't believe in the Raiders. Um, I still don't think they're going to be a threat in, in the division. Um, personally, I think um, I think the threat for the Chiefs will come from from the Chargers. I thought that before the season, and nothing's kind of changed my mind there, really. I th- yeah, I, I think you know all credit to the Raiders. It was a you know, great performance, especially on defense. I was going to say um, you know offense as well. You referenced. I think the offense can we can just call Darren Waller basically. There's yeah. nobody else. I know it was there. Jones caught the winning touchdown, but he was tight. I think was he tight in nineteen times. I think Darren Waller. Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, you, you take him out of the game, and nothing, nothing scares me in that team offensively. Yeah. Um, it really doesn't. Um, so we'll, we'll again, we'll see if I'm proven wrong. Maybe I'm just a Raider hater as a chief. I don't know. But um, but there was a funny moment. I don't know if you caught it. There's a funny moment. Um, I think it was it second and fourteen in overtime, and um, Gruden sent out the field goal unit. Uh, no, it was second and nine, and he set out the field goal unit to sort of kick it to to sort of win in overtime. And then um, they took a penalty, I think, for delay of game. Went second and 14. He sent David, uh, not David Carr, Derek Carr back out of there. And then he threw that touchdown to Zay Jones to win it. So I, I don't know that Gruden knows what goes on inside Gruden's head sometimes. But um, no. hey, I, just said that. I said that last week, didn't I? I just don't trust him at all. I just, no, I just no. don't know. I, yeah. yeah. We may yeah. owe David Carr an apology by the end of the season. Anyway, we've been... Uh, Ripping him for his uh, Raiders Super Bowl prediction, but I will. I <laughs> I'm more than happy to do an on um, an in podcast apology if um, if the Raiders <laughs> get anywhere near a Super Bowl, um, let alone win the bloody thing. Yeah. Um, and I guess you asked me about the uh, uh, the Jags, and um, what did you think about the Chiefs game, the Browns Chiefs? I thought it was again. I thought it was a shame it was week one because it was a game that I was really looking forward to. You know, two two top teams. It's very difficult to draw some conclusions when your punter botches a perfect snap, then absolutely panics. For I think he still had time to get that punt off, to be honest. But he didn't. He picked it up. He ran around, and I, I think you know you've made some notes in that. You know, I think it's just it's so difficult to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They're so resilient. They've got so many weapons. It's, I thought it was a really good game. I thought it could have gone either way. I was a little bit gutted for the Browns just because everything they've been through and where they've come from and the team they have now. I was obviously very pleased for you as a Chiefs fan and, you know, who doesn't enjoy watching the Chiefs? But um, I think it just shows the resilience and how difficult it is going to be the Chiefs. Um, You're absolutely right with what you said before. I think that the big threat's going to come from the Chargers. it's interesting to me that every team in the AFC West won and every team yep. in the NFC West won. So yep. uh, there's some strong divisions out West. But mm. yeah, I th- it was a really enjoyable game. It was a shame that Jamie Gillen um, botched that snap because things could have been a bit different. But I mean, even so, you wouldn't put it past Mahomes to march 99 yards down the pitch, to be fair. so yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's it. I mean, like you said, I put in the notes that it's extremely hard to beat the Chiefs. You know, the Browns almost played a perfect game. Mm. Um, barring, like you say, the the 
you just the, the I can't think of the word I'm trying to say, but you, that error, you know, you just don't expect your punter to do that. And even if he, even if he drops the initial snap, just punt it to the side, do something with it, you know, get get your foot on it. And even if you get twenty yards, it's better than you know the way you ended up there. Just do something, and he just like you say, just had total brain freeze, didn't he? Um, that was the only time they punted in the game, which I think tells you yeah. how well they played. There weren't many, um, there weren't many series in that game. So I think the the Browns had sort of. Um, there were nine drives. I think the Chiefs had eight. Yeah. So it was, it was, yeah, know, I think we punted. We both punted once, I think, in the game. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, you know, you have to almost play a perfect game to beat the Chiefs, and and that's you know, not many teams out there can put together the perfect game, and the Chiefs clearly don't have to put the perfect game together, and they will beat most people most weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they, in terms of the grading, they were bottom half of the of the league in almost every team statistic and yet they beat arguably one of the top four teams in the league you know um it's but again I, I still do worry that um that's based on having the three superstars in, in the offense and if any of that changes you know the Chiefs just wouldn't be the same team so it's kind of volatile and um, whilst they are healthy, we need to be picking up the wins and picking up the Super Bowl wins because you know that won't last forever. Um, but I was, it was a, it was a, it was a game that in the past I think I would have stressed watching it because I'm not the best when we get behind. Um, but I think the last couple of years has, has told me that, and you know that we're never out of a game and we're we're one we're one play away from being right back in it and. That throw deep to, to Tyreek Hill in the, in that game kind of seemed to again always seems to be a deep pass to Tyreek Hill that kind of snap us out of of whatever we're going through and enable us to kind of um, you know start playing better and, and pick up the win. So glad to get it out of the way. Glad to get it get that game won um, and not be sat at the bottom of the AFC West like you said. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that pretty much um, wraps up week one. And again, don't well, we, well, 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 you got one that you want to talk about? One, it's the big story. I knew, I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Donald, baby. Don't come on! Don't try and tell me that they won that game because of Sam Donald. Just don't no, go. Different player. Still level twenty-four. Come on! In the offense. Come on. That was Christian McCaffrey carrying <laughs> the team against an extremely poor, and, and and their defense against an extremely poor Jets offensive line. Just, That's just admit you wrong, Matt. Just admit you wrong. No, sorry. <laughs> um, I am the first. I'll be the first person to to congratulate Sam Donald when he when he shows me that he's a he's a decent quarterback. He, he's not. He's playing on a he's playing in a really good. Well, not even a really good offense. He's playing with arguably the best offensive player in the league in terms of quarterback friendly in Christian McCaffrey um, and pretty much every underneath pass he gave was just to him or he just handed it off to him and let him do his stuff um, so no I won't be offering a Sam Darnold apology just yet thanks for not disappointing me there that was, uh, that was exactly <laughs> what I wanted thank you <laughs> um, yeah I was, I was glad to see the Bengals win by the way um, I um I, I I want to see Burrow do well, and I like Chase and 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 um, oh cracky, the other wide receiver from last T Higgins. T Higgins. I think, you know they've got a young young team there, and I and I'm, I'm I'd like to see them do well. So I was chuffed with with their win. Yeah, agree. 
So, week two. Um, getting worse. <laughs> no, from a predictions point of view, I'd like to think we will do a little bit better here. And interestingly, we obviously do the predictions in isolation, and um, we've, we're not going to have a lot to talk about in terms of our difference of opinion this week, because there's only one game where where we've picked differently, and it's me not believing in Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I'm going to have to go back through and see if I can change some of these, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> we, can't, we can't agree to that degree. Last <laughs> week, we had a good well, argument. Well, I think what it is this week, and, and I don't know if, well, like, certainly not consciously, but I think I've picked every favourite apart from Arizona, which means you must have picked every favourite mm. from a bookie point of view. I wonder um, if Jacksonville are favourites. I was surprised that you went Jacksonville, to be honest. But Yeah, probably Jacksonville probably aren't, actually, yeah. Um, they're probably not the favourite. But, um, but yeah, I, I think on paper it looks like a straightforward week for me, maybe outside of the Cincinnati-Chicago game. Yeah, I was going to call that out. I think if I, I, if Fields were starting, I'd go Chicago. But hmm. the, yeah. the, I mean, I I was I I almost picked um picked Chicago purely because they're at home. Um, so I, I was kind of thinking that I would edge my bets and, and pick the home team, but um, but again, I think it's just probably just my bias with Cincy. I just think they. Um, they're, they're better offensively, and I think that that's going to probably do it for me. I don't think there's anything defensively that scares you about the the Bears anymore. No, um, they're not the Bears of old. You, they're not the Bears of old, and I think offensively they, they don't scare me. Whereas I think Cincinnati on offense can look really good. So, so I think that's that's kind of why I went went um, with the Bengals. So just to kind of go through it um, briefly, and then we can kind of touch on some things. We both picked Washington. Um, we both picked Cincinnati, Cleveland over Houston, the Rams over Indy, Buffalo over Miami, um, New England over the Jets, San Francisco over the Eagles, Pittsburgh over Vegas, New Orleans over Carolina, Jacksonville over Denver. And then I went Minnesota over Arizona. You went the other way. We've both picked Tampa over Atlanta, Dallas over the Chargers, Seattle over Tennessee, Kansas City over Baltimore and Green Bay over Detroit. Um, anything you want to kind of pick up individually about those games? It's interesting as you were reading them through. I was trying to think of a place where I might flip my pick, and I was I was struggling. Um, I think San Francisco at Philadelphia is interesting. We touched on it earlier, but if if the Eagles can carry on that form, if Jalen Hurts can continue to play well, if San Francisco maybe. You know, if they play the level that we saw in the fourth quarter against Detroit, I, I agree with you. They, they'd clearly just taken their foot off the gas and yeah. they were nearly paid for it. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. But I don't, based on the evidence of week one and week one alone, I, I could I could see a scenario where the Eagles potentially cause an upset there. I'm, I'm not expecting it, but that would be one that I'd maybe pick out. Um, I mean, Denver are probably going to stomp all over the Jags as well, to be fair. Um it's more wish casting on my part. Well, for, for me, that game, I, like I said, I've picked the Jags as well. And, and I I think I did that a year at home. Mm. It's the first game at home with the new, you know, the new head coach, etc. I think you've got to play better as a team than you did last week. Teddy will not play as as well as he played last week. Um, you know, my I, I love Teddy Bridgewater as a as a as a 
as a as a person and as a as a you know as a player I, I think he's you know he's solid I don't think they should be playing him I made my views clear about that a few weeks ago you've obviously disagreed with me on that but I just don't expect him to play that well week in week out so yeah. you're not going to have to deal with that version of Teddy in my mind um you're still gonna have to deal with Von Miller um who who played really well last week so yeah by all means I could see Denver beating you but I'd like to think if there's going to be any signs of life from you, it will be the first home game. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where why I went went with the with the Jags really. Um, I said before, you know, I'm I'm just not a believer in Cliff Kingsbury, and I th- and I'm and I'm saying that that Arizona game in week one was more of an outlier than anything, and uh, they were at home. They're at home, so that nearly did make me pick them, but. Again, um, you know, what, what we do know with Kirk Cousins is that he'll be above average and he's got some playmakers and they have the potential to be good on defence. So I expect, you know, I don't expect Arizona to score anywhere near as many points as he did last week. And I think it'll be a close game. And, and, I, and I think I think the, the Vikings will just take that. Um, I think else? the other one that I think is interesting, actually, we were just talking then about the main threat uh, for KC coming from... Um, the Chargers. We both actually picked Dallas to beat the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, I think from my point of view, part of that is that's what I want to happen because I don't want the Chargers breathing down our necks right, you know, right throughout the season. Um, so part of it is that, but I also do believe in that Dallas offense. I really do. Yeah. And, um, and. The Chargers, Derwin James played all last week, I think. Yeah, he played yeah, really good game. Game. And I think he's not injured this week, so that bodes well for him and and for that defense. I think he didn't get a full season out of him. You know, they'll, they'll you know they've got even more chance. I, yeah, it's probably more to do with the fact that I want Dallas to win that game than than me actually thinking they will. I would not be surprised at all if the Chargers beat them. Um, not at all. And I think to be fair, in some of my accumulators, I think I have the Chargers winning. So. Um, yeah, I think it'll. I think it, it could be could be anybody's that. I think it's interesting that the um, the AFC East are playing each other. So you've got obviously Buffalo at Miami and and New England um, at the Jets. So we get to see um, you know Mac Jones versus versus Zach Wilson, and we get to see um, you know the magnificence that is Tua at home to um, to, to the Bills. So. Um, that that that's an interesting couple of games just to see again where you know where that division stacks up against each other early doors. Should we move on to the uh, the new weekly feature? <laughs> so yeah, the new weekly feature that I spoke about, I kind of um, teased you a little bit there, but um, one of one of our uh, one of our friends that we we play fantasy football with, hopefully you, you you'll be listening, Girth. Shout out to Girth. Um, has has heard me talk about my views on on Tua and has kind of um, suggested that he if he plays much better than I expect him to and if I'm wrong about Tua this season that I should um, offer a offer a formal apology on the podcast and and tweet Tua directly to uh, to, to to give my apologies. So what what I've agreed is that um, if Tua finishes in the in the top half top sixteen. From a from a PFF grading point of view, um, then I will 
I will be more than happy to 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 personally tweet to her and to apologize and, and eat my words. But I just don't I don't rate him as an NFL prospect. I don't believe he's gonna be um a top top tier quarterback. I've put my neck on the line here and said I don't think he's gonna be a top half, you know, a top top sixteen quarterback. Um so we're gonna have two a watch each week. We're gonna we're gonna see we can talk about how he performed and kind of just read out his stats and his grading, see 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 where he is, see if I need to be worried, or see if I can put my um, pen and paper away and not have to write no apology note. Um, so obviously week one, um, they played New England. Um, they won the game. Um, what was it, 17-16? Yeah. 17-16, um, so it was a close game. Um, neither here nor there. They didn't. They didn't offer too much offensively either team. Really, I think it was that they both got. They both got solid defenses. So I didn't expect it to be a massive shootout. Um, but his stats were: um, he threw for two hundred and two yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had a PFF grade of fifty-seven point eight, uh, which ranks him twenty-eighth after week one. So I am. Um, Perfectly happy this Lingo. week and feeling vindicated. And um, is that the right word? And yeah. Um, and yeah, no, no bother. So we can we can go ahead and in, obviously into week two. He's got Buffalo, another strong strong team. Don't expect him to light the world up in in week two either. Um, especially um, you know, especially seeing what what I've seen of him already. Um, Think, well, you think you feel a little bit differently about Tua, don't you? So, any anything that you can offer, anything you can kind of offer or comment on to to maybe think this will turn around and that he will play a bit better. I mean, I don't think I do think he's better than you think. I don't think he's a world beater, but I think he can be. I think for me, the jury's still out. To be honest, I, I get what you're saying about him. I, I totally agree. Everything we've seen so far doesn't show it. Last season was a bit of a bit of a strange one with COVID, with not having a pre-season, with not being able to prepare. He had um, Fitzpatrick obviously sitting behind him. He was in and out of the lineup, still coming back from that hip injury. Um, so I'm almost giving last season as a wash. Um, but I, I will need to see something from him this season um, to make me think he can be a, a, yeah, a top 16 quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, which is where they took him in the draft. They're in, you know, they're expecting top 10 really top eight um yeah he does need to take some steps uh, i think he's in a good situation i think brian flores is a very good coach it worries me that they have co-offensive coordinators which i don't think any other team in the league has i think it's george godsey and I, and I forget the other one so that's not really a healthy kind of situation there but it, you know I, I will i will trust in flores as i say i think he's good um he's got jalen waddle now so he's got a bit more of a playmaker there. Um, I worry about the running game. But... I think I think this is this is the interesting thing. I think what what I'm trying to say with my value with what are my comments around Tua is that you know he he may well win games. Miami may well win games. He may well have throw for many yards. Right? He might throw for touchdowns. He might run for touchdowns. But what I'm saying is, as a quarterback, he's not that good. You know, you can put you can put a quarterback in an offense, yeah, and he'll do well. Yeah? yeah, if you if you put Tua in the Chiefs' offense, he'd probably look really really good. Yeah, you put 
tour in, I don't know. Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville's offense. It's probably not going to, you know, he's probably going to look even worse. You know, he has playmakers. Devontae Parker are really great. He's got Jalen Waddle. He's going to have um, Will Fuller coming back. He's got a running game. You know, he's got a defense that are going to keep him in games. He's probably going to win a lot of games, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that Miami can't win with Tua. What I'm saying is, if you're expecting him to take you to a Super Bowl and win you a Super Bowl, he's not going to do that. Um, and, you know, from a grading point of view, what PFF try and do is they try and isolate the player, not whatever else is going on around him. So if, if you throw a, um, a screen pass and the guy takes it 90 yards, you know, wow, yeah, he's, he's one player for 90 yards. Don't give me that. You know, he threw a ball 10 yards to his right after one second, you know, under no pressure, et cetera, et cetera. So what they try and do is they try and, as I say, take all of that fluff out and the opponents, uh, the, the uh, your skill players out of it and just grade the player. And, you know, on, from a from a, on a down-by-down basis, he, he doesn't grade well and he doesn't, you know, he's not he's not going to be a top 16 quarterback. He's just not. Um, interestingly, though, because I do watch quite a bit of um, college football and I didn't know this, but he's got a younger brother to yes. it. Yeah. And he's ripping it up for Maryland. So I'm enjoying watching him. Um, and he looks good. Um, he's right-handed as well, which is weird. So he looks yeah, exactly like right Tua, but he's right-handed. It's like you're watching Tua in a mirror, uh, maybe, a little bit. Um, I think the only, the last thing to say on that was, um, I think if you flip the quarterbacks in the, that game, so if Matt Jones was playing for Miami and <laughs> Tua was playing for New England, Miami would have won that by about yeah. 35 yeah. to 16. It would have been a totally I, different game. And that's my point, you know, Tua plays in the Alabama offense and, you know, looks really good and everyone's like, oh my God, Tua, 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 and he was talked about as potentially being the number one overall pick, um, ends up falling to whatever he did, four, five, whatever it was, mm. um, when when they took him. Mac Jones is in that offense, wins the Heisman, um, and because he, he's got a podgy belly, then nobody, nobody rates him and... And um, he's clearly a better quarterback, um, you know, um, and he's going to have a much, much more successful career. But um, anyway, I'll get off. I'll get my softbox, softbox for this week at least. <laughs> um, feel free if anybody's listening and they do want to um, tell me I'm wrong, by all means, get in touch. Um, Girth. <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on. Um, like I mentioned um, last week, I want to just bring to, to forward each week um, a college player that I think stood out. And um, again, not saying necessarily that they're going to be high picks or anything like that, but just somebody that looked good in college that I enjoyed watching or that stood out in some way. And this week I've gone for Old Miss quarterback Matt Corral. Uh, don't know if you've seen anything of him, Rob, if you've watched any college football this season yet but um, I've not watched a lot this season I have heard of him I know you referenced him in the pre-season he was some one of the mm. quarterbacks that I sort of read about in the pre-season so um I'm aware of him I'm yeah looking forward to you telling me more about him yeah well I mean he's he's if you if you look if you didn't know who he was and you just kind of watched him I think you'd he's got a bit of the Baker Mayfield about him he's like six foot six foot one two hundred pounds ish um, got a got a, quite a live arm, you know. He's got quite a big arm. He's a bit of a gunslinger, like like Baker. You know, he can can look really good, can make some really good throws. 
Um, tends to stare down his receivers a little bit. You know, he can throw a few picks because he's he's kind of telegraphing sometimes where he's going, which again is something that, that Baker can do on occasion. So I think that's who he kind of compares to a little bit for me. And uh, but because he's not playing for a um, a top four, top six college um, like Baker did. Baker was obviously at Oklahoma and they were always in the talk for the playoffs. He's not going to get as much um, credit for, for some of the some of the plays yeah. that he makes and some of the games that he has. So the over the last kind of couple of weeks, um, since we since we did the last podcast from a um, a college point of view, he played Louisville in week one. Um, and he went 22 of 31, 381 yards, one touchdown through the air. And then he ran for 55 yards on 12 rushes for another touchdown, graded 85.1. So he had a decent game against Louisville. Louisville, are, you know, they're not the best college team, but they're certainly, you know, one, you know, they're, they're, they're decent. So that was a decent test for, for Old Miss. Um, they won the game um, and yeah, he played well, looked, looked good. Um, then in week two, they played, and I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea who this team are, but Austin P. They're called. I think they're an FCS team, so they're not by any means, you know, a good a good team. And you know, when you play, when you're a top prospect and you play a, a lower level team, you, you're supposed to dominate. And he threw again, 20 of 32 for 265 yards, but five touchdowns, um, and he rushed for another 40 yards. And again, graded well, 86.3. So, you know, he did what he's supposed to do. And I think he was pulled from the game in the, like, the third quarter as well, I think. So, um, you know, it's somebody he's somebody that I would not be surprised at all if he was a first-round quarterback this coming year. But I don't think he's going to get sort of top top 10 consideration. He'll probably be one of these quarterbacks that ends up going later in the first round to probably a better situation to maybe sit for a few years behind one of the, you know, he'll, because he'll go later in the first round, probably go to a better team um, and, you know, be able to kind of sit and learn for a few years before he plays. But um, yeah, I enjoy watching him. He's, uh, he's a good player. Um, and just for reference last year, um, he, they played 10 games in 2020, did Ole Miss and he threw for three, just shot three and a half thousand yards, 29 touchdowns. Uh, and he rushed for another four and graded at about 90. So, you know, played played well last year as well as a as a junior. I want to say I think he's a senior this year. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance to watch watch an old Miss game, he's he's the quarterback that was obviously throwing to Elijah Moore last year, and that's yeah. why I kind of came came across him because I was watching Elijah Elijah Moore. Um, not sure if he if he was throwing to. Um, was it Metcalf that came out of old? Was Metcalf, DK Metcalf old Miss as well? I think he was. I think AJ Brown and and DK Metcalf. I think were also at Ole Miss. I don't know if he was the quarterback throwing to them though. It's Metcalf's third season, isn't it? So maybe not. Yeah. Third season. I don't know if he was, but um, yeah. So if you get a chance, as I said, to watch an Ole Miss game, or you you know you want to YouTube one of the what will probably be one of the top quarterbacks this year. I think Matt Corral's a name to to look out for. And I think there should be a lot of people after quarterbacks in that sort of latter half of the first round early. You know. Mm -hmm. Later on, maybe you know your Denver's. That'd be probably quite a good situation for him to land in. Uh, potentially Pittsburgh, maybe. That's so. exactly what I was just going to say. I think Pittsburgh are probably going to win enough games to be mid to bottom half of the first round in terms of picking. Yeah. And 
And I think Ben's not got many that that many years. This talk potentially this might even be his last. So um, in that offense, you know, with a good defense around him, that'd be a really really good spot for him to land. Um, so um, it'd be a totally different looking quarterback for for them with as compared to to Ben. But um, yeah, that'd be an awesome spot for him to land. Yeah, I think that would be a good spot. So that just leaves us with the whinge of the week. And you said you had many, so I'm looking forward to this. Well, I did have many. So um, I had various sort of football-related whinges. And this is still clearly football-related, but um, I'm going to go in a different direction just to inject okay. a bit of um, bit of humour into it, hopefully. But um, the, the thing that has been annoying me uh, most this week that I would like to whinge about is um, Cinch's sponsorship of NFL on Sky Sports. I'm fed up. There's a car leasing company called Cinch. They're ubiquitous. Oh, yes, now. Yes, yes. So yep. Rylan advertises them on TV all the time. They sponsor the England men's cricket team now. And then I switch That's on right. NFL to get away from all this. And they now sponsor the NFL on Sky Sports. So when you're watching the Sunday night football game, when you're watching the Monday night football game, there's no Neil Reynolds in the studio. It cuts to adverts. First thing you see is Cinch. Then you have Idris Elba telling you about whatever films are on Sky Cinema this month that I'm fed up of seeing over and over and over again. Then I've got to see Cinch again. Then I have the Sky Sports logo for ages while there's some inane music behind it before it goes back to the broadcast. So <laughs> that has really wound me up this week. I think the American sports coverage in general, the amount of ad breaks that they have that subjects me to this um, during the... The games on a night, it's not too bad because they go back to the studio, you've got your analysis, they have the odd break, but it just drives me insane. I'm already close to falling asleep and then you're, um, you're kicking me in the guts like that. So that is my wind of the week. This wow, season. I um, I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. I'm I'm fortunate enough not to be exposed to that because I don't I don't have Sky, so I don't um, I don't watch it through there. I tend to I've got Game Pass and use that and flick between kind of couple of games. Um, but um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like that's a good whinge. Um, I feel like I have to just I, I need to say something that I need. This is we're going to have a second whinge of the week this week just to finish Ooh. this off, right? Because I I needed I was hoping it was my week because I needed to say this. So I'm watching the games this week, and I you know I watch I watch as much as I can. I watch the full games where I can, and then I'll just watch. Um, like the 40 minutes highlights on others to try and kind of fit them all in. And um, we got round, I got round to the Seattle Indianapolis game and I couldn't even bear the 40 minutes game. I had to like put the highlights on the seven minute because I can't watch games in that stadium with that pitch. What the joke <laughs> is going on with that pitch? It just seems like it's this weird color of like greeny, bluey, patchy turf that they've got and then you have their blue and white contrasting that and then I don't know whether it was Seattle's uh, colours making it even worse but I really struggled to watch that game I felt like I was going to have an epileptic fit or something it was it was horrendous <laughs> um, so literally I've only, I've only watched about 10 minutes condensed 10 minutes of that game for fear of Brilliant. you know passing out or something it was horrendous Anyway, that's that's I like my range. That. Like um, so if you've not seen that, and I, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping it was this colour thing going on with who they were playing and the kits or something, and we're not going to have to be subjected to that every week if it is just their new turf or something. 
I love that, Mark. I saw I did watch a bit of it, but not a lot. I will. I'm going to check it Go out. Go back right and now. have a look, right? Because yeah. it's it's just not nice. It's just not nice to watch. Um, Brilliant. Anyway, so the reason why I can't watch Boise State in college, I don't know if you've seen that they've got like a blue pitch. Oh right, no. And it's just wrong. They're bright. Well, not bright blue, but it's yeah, like it's it's fairly strong blue color. Um, and then. There's another team, I always forget who it is, that have a red pitch, which is even worse. And trying to watch football games on a blue or a red pitch, you, you know, it shouldn't make a difference, but it, it really does. Um, sounds wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> so, anyway, that about um, wraps us up, unless there's anything else you want to touch on or... No, I'll, uh, I'll go away and do my homework. I'll check out Matt Corral. I'll check out the state of the Lucas Isle Stadium pitch. Um, yeah, plenty yeah. of things to catch up on by the sounds of it. Indeed, I've also got a football map to go to, which is why we're recording this so early. So yeah, thank indeed. you very much for indulging me on that, Mark. It's much no, pleasure. no, it's okay. Are you heading up to Borough, are you? Are you going up heading up to Borough, Borough Blackpool. So um, yet another disappointment for me this afternoon. No doubt, so. <laughs> well, good luck. I hope they play better than the Jags did last week. Me too. <laughs> Right, and with that, we will call it a day, um, and we'll see you next time on the 4th and Wingies podcast. See you later. See you.